Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super excited to have Laura Turner back on our podcast. She has been on, I think, two other times. Mm -hmm. um, she has a great keto weight loss story. She uh, lost over 100 pounds, I think 130, something like that. And um, she's changed her family's life too. So um, without further ado, Laura, welcome to our show. Hey guys, how you doing? Hello. And we're going to be talking about your keto recipes and how you're successful with your keto diet and fixing keto for your family on all the awesome recipes you have. And before we forget, tell us about your keto Facebook page. Uh, it's called Keto Life with Laura, and I started it about three years ago to stop driving everybody crazy on my regular Facebook page with all my keto creations. And so I have a special page where I share all my recipes on how to do keto with a family over there. Awesome. And tell us a little bit about your keto story and your keto journey, when it started, how it started, and how you lost your weight and changed your husband's life, your kids' life. Sure, sure. So uh, about four years ago, I had a conversation with my doctor where he basically said I was type 2, I was going to be on full-blown insulin, I had fatty liver, I had hypertension, I had PCOS, and a few other things. And he just said, you've got to do something or you're going to end up being in the gray within you know, a few years. So um, I decided, okay, I was going to finally make some changes, but I wasn't sure where. And my doctor introduced me into low-carb keto. And for about a year, I dabbled with it, thinking I could go back and forth between the standard American diet and the ketogenic low-carb diet. And I was I was wrong. Um, I had to make a commitment. And I finally did in June of 19, 2019. And uh, once I did that, my whole life changed. So I started losing weight. Actually, it took me about four months to actually start losing weight for my numbers to start getting better. Um, but it was worth it. It was worth the, the journey. And within six months, I'd lost 60 pounds. Within a year, I'd lost almost 100 pounds. And then within about 18 months, I'd reached my goal of losing 130 pounds. Wow. I, I mean, you think back about that and I've seen you before and after pictures and it's amazing. You and your husband both look amazing now. Thank Great you. transformation. And you just, do you ever wonder where you would be now if you didn't make those changes then? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I actually, I think more back about what I missed in my life because I had been so sick. Had I not had insulin resistance, had I not been so overweight, what more would I have participated in with the lives with my kids growing up, uh, the activities we could have done, uh, pictures I could have been in because I would hide behind the camera because I didn't want anybody to see my shame. Of, of my weight. So I think I kind of think back more to that and what I missed out on. And then now I look forward to what I can actually add back into my life. I don't hide from the camera. I don't hide from participating with my kids when they say, hey, mom, let's go for a walk. Okay, let's go. Where before I couldn't because everything hurts. So. Wow. Wow. And just think about how many Americans are in the place that you were four years and they didn't have a doctor um, that helped them you know, lose weight and just wanted to, you know, put them on medication and say, oh, this is just the way to go, you know, so good thing you found a doctor that was willing to um, help you in that journey. Yeah, I have an amazing doctor who is a direct primary care doctor. And that in itself was life changing because the access I had to my doctor, um, 
is is more is really really helpful because you have questions you don't know what to do you don't know right from wrong in some of these things and when you have a doctor that you actually have access to not just once every six months for ten minutes you actually have somebody who can go along on the journey with you and and he did and he was he was wonderful so Janet before we get into the details of her keto recipes do you have any questions for Laura you've uh, talked to her a couple times yes Laura I so you're talking about um the activities and i'm assuming that means the whole entire house has changed too with how many things that you're able to enjoy so just kind of tell us a little bit about your husband and your kids and what difference it's made in their lives uh well my husband jay we've been married it'll be 25 years in march and um what we we kind of talk about about for him so he was active duty in the navy for uh, 22 years, and he fought with his weight day in and day out. He had to be what's called broke and choked every six months because you had to make weight and standards and things like that. And we started this obviously after his retirement, but he thinks back and he's like, you know, life would have been so much easier had I not had to do that. Well, now that he's retired, he's working in the shipyard as a civilian doing what the military got or doing his job that he did military as a civilian. He's like, I run circles around these guys at work. He's like, I'm the old guy and here's these young sailors and I'm running circles around them doing jobs that he never imagined he'd be able to do. So that's pretty that's, amazing. That, that is awesome to, yeah. to, to hear and see. Um, so tell us, let's start with your, <laughs> can you remember back to your first keto recipe? My first keto recipe, wow. I don't know if I can remember my first. I guess I should have looked that up a little bit more. I just no, remember. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember looking at the difference between the standard American diet, and I thought, "How in the heck am I going to do this?" And I remember Dr. Lehman, my doctor, saying, "There's a website out there that you can go to, and it'll talk to you about how to make substitutions and things like that." So, and that at the time, I think it was Diet Doctor. So I went there and I started looking about substitutions and then I found Pinterest and Pinterest was one of my best friends when it came to low carb keto because there were so many other people contributing to the community, which was really nice. And you could take ideas and share things. And I just, I realized that there wasn't much that I couldn't modify from my standard American diet if I really put forth the effort and some some thought into it and actually did the, the work. So I don't cook out of a box. Pretty much everything is meats and veggies. Uh, there's nothing that's really pre-made. So I do have to do the work of actually making the dishes and, and kind of uh, taking a recipe and modifying it for my family. And that's why I don't know if you've noticed in that group, because I know you've seen some of my recipes, I don't give exact measurements for anything because I'm a country cook. I just kind of throw things in, figure things out as I go along. But I want people to also take the the base recipe and be able to say, how can I make this good for my family? Because every family has a different taste and different preferences. They like this. They don't like that. So I always just put, here's the ingredients, general idea of what I did, and then make it your own. And that's how I try to present my recipes to people. And so um, tell us kind of how you start. So do you kind of start sometimes with a possible, you know, standard American diet recipe and make it more keto? Sometimes. It depends on what it is. Like if... um, you know, if somebody's wanting a pasta dish, and, and so say everybody loves fettuccine alfredo with broccoli and, and chicken and stuff like that. So I think, okay, what could I do? Well, I could do it without 
the the pasta, I could just serve the fettuccine, or not the fettuccine, excuse me, the Alfredo and the chicken on top of broccoli, and I could take out the, the pasta. Um, but most of the time, my recipes start with what protein do I want to use? And then I build my, my recipes around, around the protein and, and kind of go from there. So like for tonight, I have some ham in my, my refrigerator and I'm like, what am I going to do with it? So tonight I'm going to make little ham, egg and cheese cups. And I'm just going to see what I have in my fridge. I'm going to throw it together. <laughs> and it usually turns out pretty good and everybody pretty much likes it. So it's one of those things where, um, I start with the protein usually and go from there. Although there are things like beef and noodles. My kids love beef and noodles. And I had to work on making noodles. And that's been the hardest thing to replicate has been pasta and noodles. Just about everything else I can replicate. But pasta is the one thing that's really, really hard to sub out. Do you have questions, Janet? Well, I, I do about the pasta. Are you using an <laughs> egg noodle thing? I mean, because that would be what, you know, the farm... So, Mom wives would do, they would use all their egg yolks and things like that. Right. So when I make, uh, like I made lasagna, um, a sheet pan lasagna a few weeks ago, and I made my noodles out of cream cheese, eggs, Parmesan cheese, and mozzarella cheese. I took room temperature ingredients, mixed it up in the blender, used a cookie sheet with a piece of parchment paper, and I baked a big sheet of noodles that once I baked it and it came out, I cut it into strips and they it looked like noodles. It tastes like noodles, noodles as much as you right. can without right. pasta. But I, I was able to make a noodle and I can make lasagna. I can make um, other types of dishes that require that. Yeah. Right. So, um, did and it tasted like noodles? A hundred percent, no. But my yeah. one non-keto... 20 year old who's sitting there at the dinner table she's like mom this is awesome i yeah. i love it so i, I kind of use her as my sounding board and whether or not things are good because she is a carboholic she loves her carbs and if she'll eat it and says it's good then i know then then that right. recipe has been a success but she's kind of my sounding board for that so you mentioned you start with protein yes so i'm going to put you on the spot here since you're the keto expert okay <laughs> so isn't keto low carb, high fat, but yet you start with protein. You know, in the very beginning when I had a lot of weight to lose, absolutely. That was kind of where I, when I was retraining my metabolism to be a fat burner versus being a sugar burner, uh, I was hungry all the time. My body had stopped learning its satiety hormones. And so using higher fat probably for the first six months was the way to do it because it, it taught my body satiety uh, you know, when things, when I would eat the foods, I would feel full faster. As the weight came off, I started to transition from the real, real high fat to more of a moderate protein, still a little bit higher fat, but I don't add the extra fat to my diet the way I did in the beginning. Cause I used to have a steak with blue cheese and butter on top. And that was my way of getting the satiety hormones to really say, I'm full, you're good. Now I don't need that because I am a fat burner majority of the time. And so I can have that extra protein in there. Plus I'm trying to make sure I don't lose any muscle mass as I start to age. Yeah. So tell us, I think that I've seen some types of bread on your 
um, Facebook group. Is that true? <laughs> so, well, I, I wouldn't call it bread. So there's cloud okay. bread, there's chaffles, there's there's bread substitutes that you can use. So like when I make uh, hamburgers, I made chaffles a couple weeks ago, and that's an egg and cheese mixture that you put into your little um, waffle maker. And it makes like a crispy, it, it looks like a little waffle, but you can use it as, as bread for sandwiches. Um, I used it for eggs benedict. You put that down and use that for eggs benedict. Um, there are substitutes. Now, there are some people that are really big into like the flour substitutes, the nut flour substitutes, the coconut flour. I don't personally care for those. And I try to keep my diet really, really simple without adding all that extra into it. So I use the egg and cheese for my noodles, for my chaffles, for my cloud bread. It's just, it's just simpler. And so what's a typical day look like for you as far as eating in your family? Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Oh, that's right. There's no such thing as lunch, right? <laughs> There's no such Janet thing can, as yeah, lunch. Janet well, can tell you about okay. that. <laughs> so it depends on where you grew up. You know, my dad yeah. was a rancher and farmer, and so he didn't just eat three meals a day. I mean, he had those, you know, lunch and whatever in there. But I, I think it's uh, the difference between city and country. And that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> yes, yes. So I grew up uh, in Indiana originally, in a, in a farm uh -huh. on Indiana. So that tells yep. you. So it yep. was always breakfast, dinner, and then supper. <laughs> and lunch was a snack. And lunch was a snack. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. <there> you go. <laughs> and it's funny. Just recently, my husband and I had uh, been talking about, and he found a book from the 1930s, and it was a a Navy's blue jacket book, which basically was a manual for, you know, sailors. And it said, dinner is served promptly at noon. I'm like, oh, I have it in, in paper here that dinner is <laughs> at the noon meal. <laughs> right. but, so a normal, you know, honestly, I'm not a big breakfast person anymore. But I, for some reason, I have enough fat in my dinner at night that I'm really not hungry in the morning. So I'll have some coffee with a little heavy cream or a little whole milk in it, just depending on, on how hungry I am for the day. Um, I just had my dinner which is my lunch and that was some roast beef with some pickle slices and a couple slices of cheese very simple um and then for dinner tonight i'm making the ham and cheese egg bowl wrap thingies that i'm, I'm putting gonna try and throw together tonight we'll see how it turns out but <laughs> but i don't i don't feel the need to eat three meals and, and extra mm -hmm. snacks because i just don't get hungry which is nice. Well, I think that's what's interesting about this conversation that we're having is that, um, you know, even though, you know, you mostly adhere to a keto diet, I think what is interesting that's coming up in this is that you still prioritize protein. Yes. And if you hear that, you hear that over and over again today about prioritizing protein, especially mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, too, is intermittent fasting is pretty important um, or pretty popular, I should say. I think important also. And basically, that's what you're doing. Because you adhere to a keto diet, you're satisfied mostly. So you can go from, you know, evening, which is um, supper, <laughs> until 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 dinner, dinner lunch <laughs> the next day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're fasting for a good, oh, probably 15, 16 hours, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I got off the... the blood sugar roller coaster you know when you, you eat and your blood sugars go up and your insulin comes in and pushes it down and then once you go back down you get hungry again and then it's it's just the perpetual cycle of your blood sugars up and down and when your blood sugars are really stable the hunger cues are true hunger cues they're not cues that are 
um, implemented because your blood sugars have dropped. It, they're true hunger cues and your body says, hey, I need some, some food. And that's what I, when I say I had to relearn my satiety and my hunger cues, that's what I had to do. Because for years, I was just hungry every two or three hours. But I didn't realize it wasn't true hunger. It was my blood sugars going up and down. It was my blood sugars dropping going, hey, I need something. I need something. But I wasn't really hungry per se. My body wasn't hungry. But my blood sugars were saying, you need to eat. You need to eat. It really is important to learn to listen to your body's hunger signals and what are what is true hunger. Absolutely. And I think I've become a little more intuitive as I've gone along. Now, I would never recommend for somebody just starting out keto to start with intermittent fasting right away. Um, I wouldn't recommend skipping meals unless they were really, really solid in this way of eating, only because they need to relearn those, those cues. And it took me about six months in before I could start skipping meals. I did have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The first thing I dropped were snacks because I've learned that snacks are always an emotional response. Dr. Robert Cyrus talks about how snacking is, is not so much about your body being hungry. It's an emotional response. I'm bored, I'm tired, I'm upset, something like that. But people who are just starting out with keto or low carb, I would always say, get the, get the specifics down first and then worry about trying to do the intermittent fasting or you know, extended fasting. I'm not a fan of extended fasting. 24 hours is about as much as I can go. I don't do 48, 72 hour fasting because I just don't want to. I like yeah. food. <laughs> and everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Would we have a comment up there? You want to stream that comment so we we can read it and Laura can respond. Let's see, Wayne Bailey, and six months. Lynette, thanks for watching, Lynette. Thanks for watching, Wayne. Six months ago, my doctor switched from a low carb to keto diet to help optimize my health. It works. It absolutely does uh, yeah, work. It, it, it sure does. And the next one, Yada. when I grew up in Arkansas, we had breakfast, dinner, <laughs> middle of the day, and supper. There yes, you go. <laughs> 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 well, one of the things that I think that is truly important with this too is that uh, the Samaritan diet put everybody on the same you know, caloric intake. Mm -hmm. And obviously there is some difference. I mean, if I was trying to compare my, you know, 20 year old son to what I'm trying to, you know, consume, that that's not, that's not, um, reality. Correct. And it's going to put me in a, you know, a, a, a plus side of too many calories. It's so, going to put you in a surplus for sure. Yeah. Right. So common sense there says that, you know, and as you adjust, you know, you're adjusting to what, what your activity level is versus what your uh, emotional eating would have been, right? I mean, you right. adjust to what is happening in your life as to whether you add more or take away. There's that. And then I've also been really focused on nutrient-dense foods, you know, I kind of 400 calories of salmon is very different than 400 calories of donuts in your body and how your body right. reacts to them and how the nutrients are used in your body. So nutrient-dense foods are definitely something like I like for you. I don't count calories. I have a general idea of what my calories are. And I remember you and I having that conversation, Sean. But I don't, I've never counted calories. Right. I don't really count macros. The only thing I've ever counted are my total carbs. I keep it super simple. Um, Dr. Westman and Amy Berger were people who really helped me on my journey. And they always said, keep it simple. 
keto without the crazy. Don't, it doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to do internet keto where you have to count your macros and drink your MCT oils and add all your extra things. Keeping it very simple, keep your carbs down low, listen to your body, look for nutrient dense foods, and you're going to find success with this. It really does work. Well, and speaking of nutrient dense foods, and speaking of, you, you mentioned donuts. <laughs> Um, Jan and I were in a Starbucks over the weekend and we just felt like something we, I had just been through a, a pretty intense ride. And I just felt like something a little bit sweet. Um, so, you know, I was thinking something, a couple hundred calories, right? I looked at one of those donuts and one of those little honey glazed donuts at Starbucks, 480 calories. Isn't that right. amazing? Now, compare that to what you were talking about, the salmon. I, I use chicken breast because chicken breast is, in my opinion, at least for me, one of the most satisfying. I'm not a chicken breast fan. I don't necessarily like chicken breast. I like beef. I like steak. And it's very satisfying for me too. Mm -hmm. But chicken breast, but steak is because it has more fat, right. um, depending on ribeye versus um, you know, a, a sirloin cut or whatever, or lean cut. It, it, it is more... Um, calorically dense than chicken because chicken breast has very little fat. Right. But think about 400 um, calories of chicken breast. That's like two and a half full chicken breasts. Right. Compare that to the one donut. I guarantee you I could eat three or four of those donuts. I guarantee you I could. I could not eat two and a half chicken breasts. I have a hard time eating a little over one chicken breast unless I'm really hungry. Um, I mean, so th that's why... You have, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that keto is successful is partly because, you know, those you eat nutrient dense, dense foods and you stay away from the junk because the junk's usually loaded with carbohydrates. I mean, that donut is per fat, it's got a lot of fat in it too because it's got a lot of, um, you know, oil or whatever they, they, they have in there, but it's got a lot of carbs. But the fat without the sugar tells your brain. I'm full. Like I could sit down to, and I'll eat maybe six ounces of steak. And that's pushing it for me. A big six, you know, six ounces. That's quite a bit. But donuts, I could eat those all day long. And there's yep. just, there's nothing in my brain that says you're full. Stop. And there's a very, there's a big difference between the satiety feelings that you get when you eat the chicken or the chicken breast. Um, and then when you eat donuts or, or anything that's sugary or laden with carbs. Well, and a, per a perfect example of this, and, and it, it, it was a marketing ploy, but there's also some truth to it is the Lay's potato chips. You know, oh. you can't, you, you can't eat just one. I, I, seriously. You, you can't. <laughs> I mean, it's like a drug. I mean, I've tried. Okay. I mean, but I will say even with the donut thing, as long as you say no to the first donut, you're okay. But I will tell you in my, in my brain, if there's, you know, a bunch of donuts, if I, as long as I don't eat one. It's fine, but if I eat one, it's like, oh, well, gosh, I ate one. Might as well eat two. Might as well eat three, and you just – you can keep going. Well, and that's how cheat, cheat days start is you, you have one meal. You're like, oh, I'll just cheat now. Oh, well, I'll just have a little bit more. I've already gone off the edge a little bit. We'll do it one more day, and, and oh, we'll do it one more after that, and then I'll get back yeah. on first thing Monday. And then Monday comes, and it turns into Tuesday, and you still don't have it together. So mindset – also is really, really important because you are denying yourself something and you hear everybody say everything in moderation is fine. No, it's not. It's really, really not. You know? I, I guess it depends on how you define moderation. That's for sure. And one of the problems is, is 
it's kind of like, you know, alcohol in moderation. If you define that to some people, that means, you know, two drinks every night. And I, I think that's too much. I mean, alcohol is a poison. So, right. um, you know, um, same thing with, you know, is, is two donuts okay every night? I mean, well, what do you Probably do not. as a crack addict? Do you say just one hit of crack is all right. you really need? Right. Or, right. you know, there, there yeah. really isn't. And, and it, you have to mentally change that mindset. I think that's been the hardest part about the entire thing is the mental uh, change. Because I, I had to unlearn everything that I had ever learned about diets and nutrition. You know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, we were told carbohydrates were the way right. to go. We should stack right. our diets with it. Pastas, grains, breads, yes, eat those. That's what we were provided at school lunches. That's what we were provided at restaurants. Every time you go out to eat, there's carb sides everywhere that you go, french fries, rice pilaf, baked potato. You're told that this is what you're supposed to be eating. So I had to unlearn everything that I had ever been taught about nutrition because eating fat to me was was devil's food. I mean, you just yeah, weren't right. supposed it was to bad. do it. Yeah, we were taught to eat low-fat stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm killing myself by eating all this fat. So you don't believe in cheat days at all? You know, I didn't in the very beginning. So in the very, very, I went 18 months without cheating because I knew oh. for myself mentally, if I gave in once, I would give in two and three and four times. Now, as I've made this a really solid lifestyle change, I can have a cheat meal or a cheat occasion. Like I've got birthdays coming up in February galore. I might both my daughters, my son-in-law, my 50th birthday is coming up all in February. So I know there's going to be some cheat days coming up. I'm okay with that now, but it really took being solidly established yeah. in this way of eating, mentally knowing that I could do one meal and go right back and then having the support of my family to say, Hey, that was your meal. Get back on track. It, it's a little bit like an alcoholic. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if, if an alcoholic quits drinking, they, they can't just have one drink again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, now I, I do know alcoholics that have recovered. They may recover for 20 years. And next thing, you know, I think it's a slippery slope, but you know, then they can have one drink and 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 that might be okay, but I think I think carbs in some ways are are a little bit of the same. Um, you know, there's just a uh, there's an you know, addiction. It, yeah, it hits your dopamine center in your brain, and um, you know, it just goes on and on. And I, I you know, I didn't want to blame blame it on carbs. I think I think carbs are it. It's just it's it's a food addiction in general. Absolutely. But I I think it's precipitated more by carbs. I I think it would be really hard to be addicted to eating steak. Or, or or eggs. I mean, I I dare I dare people are trying to lose weight. I, you can I dare enjoy it, but the addiction factor side is definitely not there, and it really yeah. can be an addiction to the carbohydrates because you do get that dopamine hit. You do. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever seen people who eat. They'll take a bite of something, and you'll see their eyes roll back, oh, and they're hey. just like, oh, it's uh, a physical <laughs> response, right. I mean, right? I don't do that when I get a steak. I'm like, oh, this is good, but you know, if I were to have like. Yeah. What whatever my favorite chips and salsa, I would probably be like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. It, it is. You, it's like a, a physical addiction that you have to be very, very careful with. But I can't go through life and say I'll never cheat and and have something off plan because that's just not. It's just not rational. I try to be good ninety nine percent of the time, and then when I do have a cheat meal, I prepare for it. I mentally tell myself what I'm going to allow myself to do. 
I'm going to tell myself when I'm going to get back on and those around me I discuss it with so that they know it can't turn into a five-day spiral or a five-week spiral. Right. It's one meal. It's this occasion. I know I'm going into it. And then I forgive myself from, you know, going off plan because you have to be able to say, okay, I did it. And then you pick back up and you go forward because if you beat yourself up about it, you're just turning it into a, a more of the addiction cycle that's not good. Right. Um, so we talked about, you talked about, you know, we are denying ourselves something, mm-hmm. you know, when we're denying ourselves carbs or, or certain foods that we don't eat. And and I agree with that. Um, here's one of the things that I will tell patients. And some some people don't like hearing this. And some people, especially in healthcare, do not like me saying this. And they think I'm rude or mean for saying this as a pharmacist but it's like look we either deny you your donuts and your chocolate cake or when you get diabetes we'll deny you your eyesight your feet and your kidneys you pick exactly um you know because there's dietitians out there that are diabetic educators and they will tell you know in, in in healthcare and they will tell patients oh well we'll just up your insulin dose it'll be just fine you know you can eat that chocolate cake you can eat that birthday cake you can celebrate that um and they'll say well we don't want to deny these you know you can't deny somebody birthday cake well then we'll deny them their eyesight i mean i, I mean just just pick and I, i'm not trying to be mean those are just facts and as healthcare professionals we have to state those facts yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite sayings, St. Augustine said, uh, what is it? Um, Total abstinence is easier than perfect moder- uh, moderation. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't know. True. I didn't know who quoted that. Yeah, who St. Augustine. That was. But um, I have a great friend who is a listener to this podcast and watcher this podcast, and he might be tuning in now. And he's just one of the wisest guys I know. Great friend. And he calls it the 100% rule. Mm-hmm. Because if it's 99.9%, then, you know, it, it starts going downhill. But if it's 100% all the time, then, you know, then it's a lot easier to follow the rule. Now, I get it. You already talked about, you know, um, you cheating and stuff sometimes. And I think we do have to do that. But I think we need to know where we're at in our journey too. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and you know, if you would have done that, if you would have cheated the first week of your, of your keto you mm-hmm. probably would have failed the entire thing. And I see people doing that all the time online. You'll hear everybody say, oh, I'm stalled. And somebody will say, oh, have a cheat meal. That'll unstall you. And I just want to just say, no, <laughs> no. don't do that. That's not the answer. The answer is being consistent and giving your body a chance to heal from the inside out. And the weight loss is a yeah. side effect of that healing. And, and the cheat meals, I mean... Who are you really cheating on? You're cheating on yourself when you have a cheat meal. That's who's getting cheated on is is your yourself. And like I said, for in 18 months, I wouldn't even entertain doing that. But once I got to the mental mindset where I was I had broke a lot, most of those addiction patterns of wanting to eat for all the wrong reasons and all the wrong foods. I had a good support system around me where I know my husband's gonna say, Okay, this is your one and done, and get right back on. I know I have I have things I have parameters in place that I can follow when I do it. Do I do it often? No, absolutely not. But I do allow myself from time to time something. But I'm also at my goal weight. I've done the hard work, and I know I'm you know where I am on my journey. Well, and I think one of the things we need to in, to to think about in, in any weight loss journey or or diet, whatever we want to call it. 
instead of thinking about the things that we deny ourselves, think about the good things we get to eat. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I mean, sure, maybe not the donuts, maybe not the chips, but I mean, we, we talked about steak, we talked about chicken, mm-hmm. we talked about eggs. I mean, think about some some of the good things that we get to eat. And, um, you know, so what, what's, what's your favorite? What's your favorite protein to start with? Uh, definitely steak. I love steak. I love a good steak. I have a half a cow in my freezer and I get one every <laughs> six months and that just makes me so happy. Um, it's like Christmas morning when I get to go pick up the beef from from the butcher. So I definitely enjoy steak. Um, I really like ground beef. It's so versatile. There's so many different things I can do with ground beef, ground beef with, you know, green beans, ground beef for taco meat, ground beef for, you know, sauces, all kinds of stuff. Ground beef's really, really um, versatile. I like chicken. I don't love chicken, but I like chicken. I like eggs. I like that type of chicken. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Love eggs. Uh, I probably go through several dozen a week. Several dozen a week. It's getting wow. very expensive these days. I have to mortgage a kidney to be able to buy my eggs. But that's okay. <laughs> my local grocery store has a three dozen limit. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Is that like three dozen per purchase? So I'll have to have my husband buy three and I buy three. <laughs> yeah, eggs can still. St- I was looking at the store the other day and there was. Because um, when I used to do the math on it, eggs were a little bit over 10 cents a piece if you bought 60 of them at a time. So a very inexpensive food Um, because, you know, I mean, literally three or four eggs could be a meal and you'd be just fine. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And you can dress those up. You can dress them up with cheese and scallions and if you like tomatoes or some mushrooms, they're pretty versatile. You can put just about anything in eggs and and it's, it's good. I'm a big sausage egg fan. And if I do eat it with sausage, I have a hard time eating more than two eggs at a time. See, I like uh, meatloaf with eggs on top. I know you've seen some of my recipes where I do mm-hmm. it. Last week, I have my leftover meatloaf and then sautéed onions and then eggs on top. Like, you can't go wrong with eggs on no. top of a hamburger <laughs> or meatloaf right. or something like that. So there's always so, ways to add eggs into your diet. Yeah, and, I, and eggs have basically doubled in price. Is that true or they went up more than that? Oh, yeah. They're, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still 20 cents an egg when you think about it is still... You know, if you're only eating three or four eggs. Yeah, I mean, well, even going to McDonald's. I know McDonald's what? It used to be a meal. You could get a meal for five bucks. Now it's like $12 for right. a meal. So right. how does that balance out? I understand the hard part is the actual cooking. Not everybody likes to cook. And I think, unfortunately, my generation lost the art of that because something shifted to be in the 50s and 60s where I think, you know, women went back to work and they were going outside of the home. Convenience food was ushered in. And there's like two generations there that really didn't learn the art of cooking like our grandparents and our great grandparents did. So a lot of people that I know, they're like, oh, I just don't enjoy cooking. I don't like it. And it's like, you got to change your mindset where you find the joy. Excuse my dog messing with that. Um, You got to enjoy the cooking find the process. Look at what you're putting in your body that you're creating, that you're making this healthy meal that's going to feed your family and yourself. Take pride in that. And experiment and have fun because you really, truly can't go wrong unless you use, you know, sugar instead of salt. You're, it's really hard to screw up whole foods. And, and and here's the thing. I think part of the processing the food, actually cooking the food, mm-hmm. I think that's part of um, what makes it more difficult to overeat. Sure. Like, let's just say, you know, you cook up hamburger 
whatever dinner for your kids and your family and um you know once the food is gone mm-hmm. it's gone so you know whereas if it's in a box you just you just you just take out more and put it in the microwave whatever and you just can eat more and more that's more. why mm-hmm. the actual prep preparing of food is what also makes it so it's more difficult to overeat yeah. Yeah. And then you can also, when you prepare it yourself, you make it the way you like it. Right. You put what you enjoy in it. You put the, your, your, you know, twist on the food. And I think that's half the battle is, is finding some joy in what you're doing. And also knowing that you're creating good meals for your family. Because I can't tell you, I grew up as a latchkey kid where I came home and it was like, all right, what am I going to eat? And I saw something recently that there's snack families and there's ingredient families and how you were raised. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but the snack families, snack families are the ones who would walk in the house and they'd open the cabinets and things were already prepped. There was a snack already made or already put together. And to them, that was a snack. I grew up in an ingredients household where there was ingredients in the fridge and you had to figure out what you were going to make and how you were going to make it. Or, Or or, or not. Or right? not. Sorry, I my <laughs> I mean, there there's many times in our house where <laughs> I'm just running through the pantry, running through the fridge, and it's like, nah, there's nothing real easy. Yeah, I'm not going to eat. Or, that, or not at all. Absolutely. Right. Inherently, we're lazy people. And so if, you know, if food was there and it's prepared, it's easy to eat. That's why we just don't buy that stuff because I'd eat it. I, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's easy to be a snack family where you just open up the cabinets and there's 15 different boxes of pre-made foods. And they're all going to be loaded in sugar because they took all the fat out. And they're going to be loaded in all the preservatives and the crap that you just don't need. Or you go and become an ingredient house and you start figuring out how to put it together. So. Right. And so I got to ask you, how do you make keto tacos? How do you, what do you do with the tortillas? So it just, it really depends. I've gotten used to just having like a taco bowl where you, you don't do any yeah. chips or stuff. Right. Um, I have made tortillas from scratch, like out of zucchini. Eh, it's okay. Yeah. I've made a taco shell out of bacon, did a bacon weave. Really? Wow, was, that sounds good. <laughs> it was really good, but it was a lot of effort. And by the time I was said and done, one taco was like 1,100 calories and yeah. a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, there are some low-carb substitutions out there that you can have. I don't recommend them for people early on in their journey on losing weight or low-carb keto because they become dependent on the, the tortillas, the, yeah. the keto knockoffs. You know, right, Atkin right. bars and and all those those things. I don't recommend it for early on people, but for people who are pretty established and can have something like that, you can always use a low carb tortilla and fry it up yourself in some bacon grease, which is phenomenal, by the way, and do a taco that way. Yeah. And one thing about about hamburger that I wanted to hit on, you know, how versatile it is. One of the things that we do is Jan and I are we're empty nesters now, so we're mm-hmm. we're cooking for just two now. So, you know, when we fry up, you know, one and a half, two pounds of hamburger, we don't eat it all at once. Mm-hmm. But you put it in the fridge and you use it for your next meal. I mean, it's amazing because it can feed you two or three different times and and things are already prepared. So to make it easier to eat healthy, have some of that stuff prepared ahead of time. So just fry up some hamburger. 
Yeah, yeah. I usually I'll fry up some hamburger and I'll have a Big Mac salad. That's one of my favorites. So you know, it's too all beef patty special sauce, pickled <laughs> <laughs> onions, Without the not on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I'll do a Big Mac salad and then I'll have leftover ground beef and then we'll turn it into tacos or something two nights later. Or if I have leftover, I'll take some green beans because those are relatively low carb and I'll mix green beans, uh, ground beef and cream cheese together and that's phenomenal you wouldn't think it sounds Yummy. good but it's so good it sounds good because i've had something similar to that and it's good yeah so i mean it's a very versatile meal and i always tell people you don't have to spend a lot of money to eat this way i know everybody says buy the best quality that you can get get the grass-fed grass finished blah 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 you know what? Even if you're eating the dollar ninety nine pound ground beef, it's still better than the crap that you get exactly. in the exactly. box. Exactly, and and that's what I tell people: whether it be diet or whether it be exercise, you know, you don't have to make it. Start simple, yeah. and then you know what? If you can work up with to grass fed beef, is it better? Sure, maybe, um, but you don't have to. Don't start that way, especially if it's going to be a barrier. It's same as exercise. If you're not exercising now. Walk for five minutes. That's all it takes. Right. You don't have to do something real fancy. Um, and then you can progress into something. Diet is is the same. So, you know, don't make it a barrier. Just start somewhere. Yeah, and, and just keep it very simple. Uh, Internet Keto has just taken off, and there's so many people selling supplements and and shakes and, and this and that. You really, you don't need ketones because your body's going to make ketones. And let me tell you, when your body makes ketones, you feel fabulous on your own ketones. You don't have yeah. to drink them unless you have a mental issue where, you know, Alzheimer's or something like that. You're having where you really need those ketones. Um, but you don't need all the extra stuff. You don't need Atkin bars. You don't need Atkin shakes. You don't need any of those things to be able to make this successful. You need whole food. You need to keep your carbs low, got to be a little bit creative in the kitchen, and you got to have the mindset that you're going to do it, and you're going to make it your your health style, not your lifestyle, it's your health style. And That's if you do that, point. you're going to be okay. That's a great point. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of, you know, keto cupcakes or keto bars or keto chips or this packaged keto food. That's what we're trying to get away from. So even if it's you know, like say Atkins bar or something like that. I mean, maybe occasionally as a snack, if you don't have anything else. Right. Like, I mean, know, I get it. Like if you're working crazy hours, you're working night shift, you yeah. don't have anything else. That's different. But when you can cook, cook. And it doesn't have right. to be crazy. And you don't have to have all these crazy recipes from online. And there are some expensive ingredients, you know, trying to buy xanthan gum as a thickener sometimes. That's a little expensive, but you don't have unless to. In, unless you have a compounding pharmacy, then you can get a lot of xanthan gum as a suspending agent. <laughs> there you go. For really cheap. <laughs> right? But it works great for biscuits and gravy, for keto biscuits and gravy. So right. Um, so, Laura, as we uh, wind this podcast up, tell us again about your um, Facebook keto group. So it's Keto Life with Laura. And if anybody's interested, please come in. I share my, my dinners. I share recipes. I share videos that I see that have some great information. Um, I try to help people who are just starting, who have fallen off the wagon, who are masters at this. Everybody's welcome to come in voice their, their thoughts, concerns, comments. I'm there to build a community because community is key 
to having like-minded people around you who are going to support you and not enable you. That's right. (laughs) Well, Laura, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I thank Thank you you. so much. Um, You've helped realize our goal of this podcast, which is to um, educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So you've helped us realize that. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in today to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I don't know who our guest is, but just tune in, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time this Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. 